Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. We hope everyone is doing well. Jay Bird, just me and you tonight. How are you? Great. I'm great. Coming off an awesome trip, golf trip, and um, just trying to rest and recharge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm good. That's right. Yeah. Uh, no McLean tonight. He is uh, on the uh, West Coast with his new company training and time difference and all that kind of stuff wasn't going to work tonight. So no McLean this week as he is traveling again. And hopefully I think he's going to start settling down here soon and um, be on the pod a little bit more um, like usual. So just, just two of us, but yeah, Jay and I coming off a hell of a golf trip and we're going to do a, a separate podcast to kind of break it down and, and talk about the courses and the trip that we played um, Arcadia bluffs, crystal downs, and the Forest Dunes uh, Resort um, up in Michigan. Had a great time. A lot of golf, long days, sun up to sundown. A few alcoholic beverages were consumed. Let's go. And uh, um, yeah, you you stayed a little bit longer. You extended your trip. I came home to family and dance recitals and piano recitals and yep. cookouts and more drinking. So yeah, both of us are still kind of yep. trying to figure out ways to get sleep and detox. Yeah. Yeah, no question. I mean that the the golf trip was awesome. Like like you said, Mikey, we'll we'll touch on that in in depth. But what a what a really really cool golf trip. If you have not played golf in the northern uh, New Michigan area, you're missing out, especially in the summer. Obviously, yeah. spring, fall, and winter, I ah, probably wouldn't go up there. Um, but <laughs> summer is summer, and it was everything awesome. was firm and fast. They hadn't had rain in a while, and. Uh, a little breezy. It was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of good golf sure. courses, not a bad golf course. So we'll, uh, keep an eye out for that in the next uh, week or two. We'll try to get together and, and, and put one out kind of, a maybe not as quite of a deep dive as we did on Bannon Dunes, but, uh, similar style kind of, yeah. uh, pod that we did a couple of summers ago on Bannon Dunes. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, speaking of your detox, Jay, what are you drinking? <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, yeah, I gave myself two days. Um, I am drinking uh, a Jack Daniels uh, single barrel rye, the oh. kind of maroon label. It's yeah. pretty good. I actually haven't had it before, but they yeah. just had it on the shelves it was in. And um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's a decently rated um, bottle. So awesome. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's good. Real good. Just check it out. Not, not crazy expensive either. I'm doing, I don't know if I drank this last week or two weeks ago, but I'm doing Bardstown again. It was, oh, uh, nice. it was right out in front of my face. And so I went with the shortest reach right mm-hmm. to that, but can't complain with, with Bardstown. No, I did, I did put a couple ice cubes in it tonight. I just I don't know. My house was like really hot and I was just, I just got to cool it down. I just got to cool it down a little bit. Uh, you know, a summer bourbon with a glass of, or with a, with a cube or two is not a terrible thing. You yeah. Know, if you still like the taste of bourbon, sometimes it gets like, it can get hot, you know, in hot. the summer. Yeah. Okay. It was a little, little toasty in the house. So just drinking it. It was just brand like new house. Yeah. Brand new house. Shouldn't it? AC should be working. The AC is house. working. It's just, it's just an internal fight on what the temperature of the AC is set at. <laughs> That's weird. You're probably the first married couple that has to deal with that. <laughs> Well, it doesn't help that my mother's currently staying with us and she likes it warm too. So I guess two on one right now. Two on one. You don't have a choice, dude. No. You, need, you have to open a window or something. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a losing battle right now. I try to sleep, sleep in the, I'm like, sleep in the crawl space. Yeah. Son of a bitch. It got, somebody turned it up again. 
Oh. You need to put the you need to set the uh, code for the thermostats and then lock them all out. Yeah, I know. I could probably do that. I got one of those smart thermostats. I'll figure that out. Oh yeah, I'll figure that out. But that is um, definitely doable. Let's talk. Let's talk a little golf. I'm sure you know not much is going on in the world of golf. No one's Nothing paying attention. Um, only got a thousand text messages last week. Couldn't keep up. We will get there. Let's let's just start real fast. Give me a couple thoughts on the RBC Canadian, um, and then we'll get to the merger talk, um, which will be the the heavy lifting and the majority of this podcast, I am sure. But uh, RBC Canadian, Nick Taylor, the Canadian wins first time in what was it seventy two years a Canadian wins the the Canadian yeah, Open, nineteen fifty four, four hole. Um, not quite playoff. 72 years then right is that sure. yeah that's that would be 60 69 years 69 years Six, yeah yep like that. 69. yeah um yeah four hole playoff over tommy fleetwood just uh, as everyone's seen is just a ridiculous 70 foot maybe that's where i had 72 in my head 72 foot putt to win um on 18 the fourth playoff hole for eagle just Jars it dead center off the flag stick and crazy celebration ensues. Adam Hadwin gets tackled. That might be a bigger highlight that people have seen more than the the, the eagle putt. But yeah, what'd you, what'd you make of it? The the tackle or the golf? Either one. I'm fine with either breaking down neither. <laughs> I mean, I'll start with the tackle because I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, I thought the, 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 the security guard... Uh, I guess you call him security guard. He, I mean, it was some some good stuff. That was good form tackle. Got low, head up, wrapped yeah. up, and just took him down. <laughs> I mean, it was. Um, I remember seeing it in real time when they were showing Nick Taylor and his caddy, and I remember seeing like a lot of commotion right around him, and and then his Nick Taylor's caddy like went running over to like at someone's defense, and then sure enough, you know, twenty minutes later, not even five minutes later, the video started popping up online of what yeah. happened, but. Uh, I've now watched that video about 60 times from multiple angles. People have put them in all different angles. And there's the one like ground level camera, like handheld camera. And you can see the security guard. He's, he's, he's seizing from a mile away. He's lining them up. He's working his way through the line of scrimmage. And he just, it was like a linebacker seeking out a, a quarterback. Yeah. And and that that's kind of where I was going with this. I don't, I I, I get why he, was stopping him. He couldn't tell exactly what was going on. Um, but at, at some point, you see that he's got a bottle of champagne. Yeah, I know that he Adam had changed his changed his clothes, and he didn't look like a golfer per se. Yeah, but you know, I, do you have to form tackle him and take him to the ground like that? Can you just get in front of him like, hey, grab his shoulders? What are you doing? Hey, I'm Adam Hadwin. This I'm a Canadian. I want to celebrate with my buddy. Okay, sorry. Or maybe be able to see if he's got it. I'm sure he, I didn't, I couldn't tell, but I, I would imagine that he had his, his credentials on. I don't so think he did. He didn't. Well, that, and then that's his, that's his fault. Yeah. Too, I mean, for, he's in there. I think it was, he's wearing jeans, a hoodie, yeah, like a, a baseball cap. Wasn't even like a golf hat. Like, I mean, he easily could have, he should have had his credentials on. If you want to run and storm the, yeah. the 18th green and throw champagne over, but I, I, it's, I, I was going to go, you know, that direction as well. I'm kind of sitting on the fence with this. I, I, I do yeah. a little bit is on Adam Hadwin. If you're not going to wear your credentials and if you're going to come f- rushing in, like 
running in like that. Yeah, you, you know, you're going to get yeah. a security guard that's going to be, hey, what are you doing? They may they may chest bump you. But I don't know if you needed to take him Tack, to the ground. I mean, I think ground. at some point you can tell that it's a bottle. It's not like he doesn't have a bomb. He doesn't, he have, doesn't a have a gun, a weapon. <laughs> like, do you need to, to form tackle him? Just get in his way, grab him, grab his arms. But yeah. I think both of them are at fault, unfortunately. I mean, that's, I mean that's, there's a lot of to hear that. The, I can't imagine all those security guards are the biggest golf fans in the world. And I think some of the biggest golf fans in the world would confuse Adam Hadwin, especially in 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 just for not jeans. being a professional golfer. Yeah, for in jeans and a hoodie. Like hell, there was the story last year at uh John Rahm when he was pulling into the country club at the US Open. And the security stopped him and he said he was going to go look for uh he wanted to go to player parking and they said, well are you a player? Do you have your credentials? And he had the US Open trophy next to him in the car. He was returning it. <laughs> And he just like, point, does this count? He just kind of pointed at that. And the guy goes, "Oh, you're Don Rom. Yeah, yeah, you're good." But like, <laughs> you know, He's, it's just, so funny how many stories you hear about these these. You know, it's it's pretty obvious when an NFL player and an NBA player walk into an arena. You're like, okay, this guy's six yeah. ten, yeah. or this guy's six two two fifty, and is jacked. Like, yeah. there's they probably should be here. <laughs> But it, the professional golfer is like, you can't tell. You look like all of them look like average Joes for the yeah. most part. You know, I mean, there's a few that kind of stand out. I mean, if Dustin Johnson walks in, you're like, okay, that guy's 6'4. He looks like an athlete. Yeah. But yeah, most of these guys, you know, a bit, but it is a little strange for John Rahm. I mean, this this is the face, you know, arguably one of the, with, yeah. one of the three or four best players in the world. Like, you've seen this guy before. <laughs> If you're running a, a PJ Tour event, you should have seen this guy before. Yeah, but if you're just some rented security cop for the week that's just guarding a parking lot, then True. maybe not. I mean, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it happens every every week. I mean, yeah. some people just do it because they get paid. They have no interest in golf. No at all. interest. Yep. You're probably getting paid overtime and yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, but yeah, that was um that was that was pretty entertaining. But in terms of in terms of the golf, you know, there was two pretty cool storylines there. Obviously, you mentioned uh the first one there with uh you know that a Canadian hasn't won the RBC in since 1954. And I had a lot of uh a lot of opportunities, good players, you know, in the past, uh, Corey Connors. Adam Hadwin being another one. You've had a uh, quite a few guys that uh, are good players that had a chance. But um, yeah, I mean it was it was a cool story. And then you got Fleetwood, who has never won a PJ Tour event. And I mean, who is the more famous of the two players? If you were to say, "Do you know Nick Taylor?" I'm like, "Ah, it sounds like a buddy that I went to high school with." You know, it's like I actually had three Nick Taylors in my high school. (laughs) You know, I mean, honestly, like everybody that listens or watches golf, like, "Oh, I know Nick Taylor." Is that the same Nick Taylor I went to school with? No, it's different Nick Taylor. He's won three times on the PGA Tour or two. Right? This was this going to be his third win? I think so. Yeah. He's won twice on the PJ tour and now, well now, now three times, Not three. Um, but, and you've got Tommy Fleetwood who a lot of people know, and he's never won on the PJ tour uh, seven, seven times uh, on the DP world tour, I think uh, six or seven. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, who, who should you know more about, you know, considering, you know, PJ tour is centrally located in the U S but I, you know, I don't know. I guess not. Yeah. People don't know the guy. But so anyway, two cool stories. And I was 
I wasn't really, I didn't know who who to really root for there. I, I kind of wanted to see Tommy Fleetwood win a tour, uh, you know, a tour event, PJ tour event. He's well, you predicted he was going to win. What's on that? The, on the pod last week, you predicted he was going to win. I did. I did. And then, so that's even more of a reason that I wanted him to win. <laughs> um, and he was close and he should have won. He probably um, should have. But yeah, he, for him to make par on 18 uh, in regulation, that's, you know, he, he, he kind of gave it away right there. He did make a great, he birdied 17, I think, didn't he? To get, I'm pretty sure it was a 16 or 17 he birdied to get in, uh, to get in a tie for the league. Uh, I want to say it was 17. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, it was 17. Was both. It was both, 16 and 17. Oh, oh wow. So that's, you know, th- you know, especially for a guy coming off of birdies on 16 and 17 to get in to get into a tie for first place going into the 18th hole, which is a 499-yard par 4. You got to be licking your chops like, "Oh my yeah. gosh, I may I can maybe win by two here. I can hit it on the green and make eagle." You know, and we're talking a, a lot of these guys didn't hit driver off the they were hitting iron. The a lot of guys were hitting irons. Hitting irons. Um, but even still, you hit an iron, you, st- you still probably had an iron in. Yeah. Or close to it. Or, yeah, they were hitting um, like irons and hybrids. Hybrids, off, yeah. And then hybrids off for the second shot. Um, yeah, some guys, even I think, even had like longer second shots in than they hit their drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that I think that's just the design of the hole and the way they got it set up. But yeah. I, I don't really love that, in all honesty, if we're talking core setup and design. Like why? Why would you? Why is it a par five then? Just you know, why would you make a par five that you have to hit like hit an iron off the tee and then hit a, a wood into the green? That's freaking backwards. That's weird. Stupid. Yeah. Very not a fan. Anyway, very weird. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't really love par fives that you can't hit driver on. I mean, the whole idea behind that is like, okay, here's a longer hole and is a chance for you to take advantage of of length. Um, otherwise, everyone's just hitting the same club off the same tee and same spot. Same same spot as their layup. It's like okay, that's not that's not a really challenging hole or different or unique. Like, what, I'm, am I going to remember this hole? Yeah, I'm going to remember it because how it's shitty stupid. it is that I have to hit an <laughs> iron off the tee when I normally hit driver on par fives. But other than that, um, but they both had their chances. I, you know, Fleetwood had his chance in regulation, and then he made. Um, and he made a pretty incredible birdie. And the, was it the first playoffs playoff first hole? playoff hole? Yeah. I mean, uh, for him to make that, that putt to extend, it was, was pretty, pretty nuts. But I think the rain, the rain started coming in and I feel, felt like that played a, a part in some of the accuracy of the, the second shots there coming into the green. A lot of guys, they, I think both of them missed the fairway quite a bit in the playoff. I mean, I don't, yeah. did anyone even hit the fairway in the, the couple of times they played, they played the 18th hole three times, I think. Three, three times. Um, they played the both, par three ninth one on time. The fourth, the, on the last time, they both missed it. Yeah. Uh, so, look at the you know, and that's the other thing. It's like, wait, we were hitting an iron off the tee. This, we're hitting an iron to hit the fairway. You know? <laughs> you know, that's the whole point. And if you're not hitting the fairway with an iron, then you're like, all right. What what do we have to do to get a little closer to the green? You know, I know that the fairway kind of ran out. It was, it, it, yeah, it, was, it runs out. It gets really kind of tight and goes left. There's a creek there, so they were kind of hitting to the fat. There's there's like a sixty yards of fairway to the left, but it's really narrow. Yeah, so they were kind of just hitting to the widest widest part. It's further to the creek the further left you go. Yeah, so um, 
yeah, just kind of a, a weird, goofy hole. But you, you think, especially a great ball striker like Fleetwood is, he drives it well, he gets his irons well. You'd think that kind of hole would do perfect to hit it, hit it in the center of the green, two putt for your yeah. birdie because you're not a great putter. And but he was hitting some bad shots off the tee and um, hit the one up into the into the gallery. You know, putting stats are actually not you know they're not that bad. Um, I want to. I'll pull them up here in a second. But I mean, from what I the last time I checked, I, I thought I always thought that it was always his ball striking. Um, yeah. But I, I think as of late, he's been putting. He's been putting much better. Well, which he is was. Kind of weird. He was first this week, last week, however you want to phrase it. Uh, he was. RBC, he, was he was first in putting. Yeah. Maybe that's what I saw. Maybe not year long stats, but he was first in putting for that tournament. I'm looking up his. Uh, his stats for the year. He is he's he's sixteenth in putting this year. Yeah. So I mean that that's that blows good. my mind with that crazy that crazy setup. Um but that's usually been his weakness. Weakness. Well, you know, I would years. probably I would, I would probably couple that with, you know, how good of a ball striker he is consistently, you know, over the course of a couple of years. He's you know, argu- arguably one of the better iron players on tour and, and pretty good driver too. I don't think he hits it as long as most of those guys. I mean, I think he's kind of behind the eight ball there, but I mean, still for the most part I think fairly accurate given his his length. Yeah. Um but his claim to fame is his ball striking. I mean, we you don't see you know, Instagram videos of of Tommy Fleetwood putting. You 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 see him hitting <laughs> iron shots with his crazy contraptions and his little drills that he's got set up. You know, you, I don't know. You've probably seen that that video. He's got like a it's like a little foam box, and then he's got a an alignment rod. You know, on the heel side of his of his iron, and he's got the the foam box on the toe side. I mean, we're talking like the right. same distance. Yeah, the same distance that Tiger used to use with his putter. I mean, I mean, I know I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit there, but pretty damn close. I mean, I've seen this video and I'm watching him hit this shot. I'm like, you're talking like you're talking maybe an, a half an inch on each side, maybe an inch on the heel and the toe, and he's flushing it like like to see anyone uh, out here listening and, and are the host included in this. I, if I went out and tried to hit these shots that, that he's hitting out of this contraption, I'd be banging it to pieces. Well, luckily it's foam. That yeah. helps the reason it's foam. Um, but, but anyway, the, the point is that that's his strength and for him to be in the top 20 and putting, I mean, that's a bonus. I think, I, I think that's, solely attributed to why he's been playing so well. He's finally kind of matching up the two yeah. and here he is. Honestly, I'll I'll just come out and say it. I did not pick him to win the US Open. Um I did look at it pretty hard and on our on our DraftKings anyway. Um not to reveal any picks, but I wanted to put him in there, but I just Yeah, I mean he I mean there's he's got every there's every he's done everything he needs to to say, "Hey, you should contend. You're doing all the things that match up with this golf course." Um, to contend, um, for the most part, but we'll see. All right, so we'll we'll get to the U.S. Open here in a second. But Tommy is a is a good pick. But I guess let's let's do this. We recorded last Monday. 
you and I hop on a plane Tuesday morning. We land. We're driving to Arcadia Bluffs. And I get a text from a listener, Chuck Walter, good buddy of mine, member of ours at the Foundry. And he says, PGA Tour and Live Merger. My response was WTF. <laughs> and then I went on Twitter and there it is. CNBC has a news story. Very small news story, but it basically said that Live PGA Tour have merged. And then a utter shitstorm came about. I mean, I mean the, the amount of tech that we received in that car between the two of us in like a 15 minute period. I think we got 400 texts. It was ridiculous. I couldn't, I, if, if you texted me, if you're a listener and you texted me and I didn't respond, I apologize. If I was short with my response, I apologize. One, we were trying to start enjoying our trip and I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I was trying to read in the car and <laughs> trying to make sense of it. I thought it was fake. I, I, I don't think I have ever been that shocked in a long time at hearing news. I was like, no fucking way. There's no chance. I think think you said that maybe 10 times. (laughs) I was like, no fucking way. Like, and I've said on this podcast, I was like, oh, they'll never, they'll never get together. They'll never get together. They're not going to get together. They're not going to happen. We don't have to worry about it. It's not going to happen. (laughs) It'll fucking happen. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. They're not going to do that. I started. I started to write down my my thoughts on this whole thing. And, and it, a lot has, I didn't really say much the first day. You know, all of our whole crew was talking about it. And I just didn't know what to say, what to make of it. There was, I was trying to find out details. I've gone through a, a bunch of different f- thoughts and feelings on this whole thing. And I tried to write my thoughts down on, on a piece of, typing out my thoughts today for the podcast. And I got like a page and a half in. And I was like, I got three, four more pages to write. And I still, I'm, I'm like, Holy cow. I'm writing like an essay here. Like, I mean, there's bullet, there's just bullet points, but still I was like, I, I'm just going to have diarrhea of the mouth in the, the next 20 minutes here. But. I mean, I, I did mine on my, on my notes uh, section of my iPhone and you, and I've got maybe like, I've got like 10, 10 notes here that I wanted to think about. And you've got, you've got, damn, I've got like, I've got like 40. Half. So I don't, I don't want to give the news of the story. I mean, there are, I think, some things that are being misconstrued out there or that are different than maybe first at first blush. And I don't know what you go first. I'll react to you because I, I, I'm my head's all over the place here. Uh, you know, just from a, you know, looking at a kind of a macro view here, higher level, like, I still think, again, we don't know the details. And, and if you do have some details that, I, that I'm unaware of, I want to hear them. But I think in the grand scheme of things, I think it's a good thing and that we're finally going to get all the players. I, I think when this whole thing kind of hit, hit, uh, hit the market here, hit the world full steam ahead, we were, we were all like, oh, here's the fracture you know, in professional golf. We're, we're pulling the best players away from each other. But I think this is the first step in kind of getting what we all wanted in the beginning. If there was one good thing that could come out of this was that, okay, we're going to get one, we're going to get the PGA Tour to pay a little bit more attention to the players, how we're going to uh, reciprocate uh, to the players, all the things that they are bringing in. 
um, as an organization and pay it back to the players, give them more opportunity. They're the actors. They're the, 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 I guess the show. Um, and this is the, this is the first step I think in kind of making that all happen. I, I, I shouldn't say the first step because the, the PJ tour has made some changes obviously this year with elevated events, but it's the next step in terms of getting all of these guys playing together under this, under the same umbrella or in, on the same course. Um, so I think that's what we all want. I mean, that's why we get so jacked up about the majors is that we we're getting some of these live guys to play compete. And some of which, you know, guys still have some good relationship with, and they're still great players. Obviously Brooks Kepka just won. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that was the, like I said, from an, from a macro view or from a high level view that that is what I I've taken away from this. Now I know that there's, a lot of layers layers of this, and there's a lot that we still need to uncover uh, because we still don't know all the details and what this merger means. So, uh, again, and we can we can kind of go back and forth here, but that sure. that was my first instinct when when I heard that. Yeah, I mean, so at first I was like, why would the PGA Tour do this? Because they had seemed to have the upper hand as far as they definitely have the upper hand as far as the product goes no one's watching live there's no buzz to live and they also seem to have the upper hand when it came to the legal fight you know the european tour won essentially won their legal battle over in europe all the court rulings here were leaning towards the pga tour as far as the small little decisions of all the issues they had with discovery and depositions and who was going to be deposed. And I was like, why, why would they do this? And the only thing that, so here's my, my other preface. This is not a live PJ tour merger, which is, no, it's, it, it, it's it, a piff in PJ tour merger. Yes. This is the public investment fund who, yes, owns Live. That's part of their golf, the commercial golf entities as far as, you know, as long as Golf Saudi and the Aramco LPGA series or L, you know, Women's Series, you know, that's all part of their commercial golf entities. Uh, but this is the PIF merging with um, the PGA Tour. PGA Tour has everything except money. And it has come out since that the PJ tour just cannot fight this legal battle just dollars wise. They have reached into their coffers. I think what I've read about a total of $150 million so far based off of their loan legal fees, helping the DP tour with their legal fees, and then to bump up these elevated purses this past season. So they just can't fight the fight dollars against the Saudi government. I also don't believe the PGA Tour wants to go to trial. I don't think they want to be subject to being deposed because they're worried about they were worried about their um, nonprofit status. The Saudis have the money to go to trial, but they definitely don't want to go to trial. They don't want emails, phone calls, text messages to to show up in a discovery portion of a trial. They do not want. Yasir and all these guys that sit down in front of lawyers and be deposed about questions that could extend to other portions of their business 
and once they once they dig in and they subpoena you and and grab you know laptops and information you're like yeah we don't need this we don't we don't want this it's like any any politician in any country yeah which, they don't want it they're, they're, they're heavily say, well, tied open, open your books where's your money coming from they, they don't, don't want, want that either so there's multiple reasons on both sides to to kind of end this litigation and to not go to trial and the saudis offer the money the pj tour does not have they also the Saudis. So what I've also, and I haven't really got to my own personal feelings on this, but as I look at it, to me, live is a pawn or was a pawn for the Saudis. We've no always said it never really made much business sense. They just weren't going to make ploy. the money. Disrupt. It's a political ploy. To I don't know if this was the end goal to get in with the PGA Tour, or this is where they said, man, this whole live thing's not really working out that well like we thought. We have to change course here. And they want to be involved with the PJ Tour because uh, Yasir and all these guys from Saudi Arabia, they want to be able to go to a PJ Tour event because PJ Tour is in bed with the biggest corporations in America. I mean, look at every week, all these huge corporations that sponsor these events. They want to go shake hands with the CEOs, the chairmen, the board members of AT&T, Charles Schwab, RBC, Honda, Nissan, you, whoever it is, whoever these big corporations are, you can look at every week who sponsors these these events. They want to be able to normalize business with Saudi Arabia, and they're going to do it through golf. I now think the PGA Tour is a Saudi Arabian pawn. I don't know if they're quite really doing this. They're definitely they're still not doing this for the good of the game of golf. They might make a little bit more money off of this, and they were definitely going to make off a of live, but they're doing this for other business interests and political interests still. So, yes, yeah. Jay Monahan looks like a complete, utter hypocrite, and he's got a lot to speak for. And I think he needs to be gone because I'm not sure how the players can trust him. But he is now a pawn for the Saudi Arabian government, in my mind. Mikey, he is. Love this. Monahan, gone. Kick him I mean, out. If I'm Kick a player, him out. If I'm a player, this whole deal. I would be pissed off. No question. I would be pissed off, especially the big guys, the big names. Rory's the moms, fuming. The Rory's, these guys that, that kind of pledged their loyalty to the PGA Tour. And then Monahan, you know, spurs them all on and then completely does a 180 brings up all this 9-11 stuff, and then I don't know how he looks those people in the face, the 9-11 families that he... Oh, my God. And so these I don't know how these players can trust him or anything that comes out of his mouth. This whole deal was basically started between Jimmy Dunn and Ed Hurley. If you don't know who Jimmy Dunn and Ed Hurley are, Ed Hurley is a chairman of the policy board of the PGA Tour. He is a longtime lawyer who actually deals in mergers and acquisitions. Go figure. That's weird. Jimmy Dunn is a newer addition to the policy board, a board member of the PGA Tour. You might know his name. He is the president of Seminole Golf Club, and he runs uh, that big pro member down at Seminole. He's also a member at Pine Valley, National Golf Links, Augusta National. He's a longtime banker. He also has some inter- He used to hate live because he in the Saudis because he had his whole firm die in 9-11. They were had an office in the World Trade Center. He had 66 employees die. He was actually out playing golf at a, at a USGA mid-am qualifier, which is the reason he wasn't wow. in the office that day. 
And so basically, Jimmy Dunn got Yasir on the phone, had a meeting with him. Ed Hurley, he was involved. And then they went back to Monaghan and said, I think you need to talk to this guy. And that's where it all went. And it came about in the last seven weeks. One, the fact that they kept this quiet is remarkable. But if I'm a PGA Tour member and I'm saying, wait a minute, three guys, we're a member-run organization, and three guys who are not members of the organization made this deal without letting any of us know. I don't know how they trust any of those guys. Even if those guys are telling them, oh, it's going to be great for you, it's going to be great for you. Nobody knows yet. There's way more nuance and questions to this whole thing than they've admitted uh, or told us yet. And so, I mean, it's, it just, it stinks. I don't like it. The Saudis essentially own golf. I, I don't trust. I know Monaghan and Jimmy Dunn have given multiple interviews and said, oh, no, well, they now control three-fourths of, of this new board. Yasir only has one, one spot, even though he's the chairman. And Monaghan's the CEO of this new company that they haven't named yet. I don't know. I don't trust. I don't trust that that's actually the case. Uh, my feeling is that the Saudis are putting in all this money then they're going to want control of it. You know, they're, they're saying they're still going to have a nonprofit of the PGA Tour still going to exist. Then the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and PIF are going to put all their golf commercial entities into one portion. There's going to be a valuation, and then the Saudis are going to buy into that new business. If the, if the says it's worth $10 billion and they want to buy 20%, they're going to put $2 billion in and own 20% of it, or whatever that means. I don't know. There's still so many questions and details. Yeah. A lot of details that we haven't heard. To be answered. That, that's a little that's a little scary, in my opinion. Uh, because they're they're the PJ Tour is gonna have to forego their tax exempt status. I mean, that it is what it is. They're they're they're, they're saying they're, they aren't, which I don't know how that's gonna I don't know how. Every everything that I've read, every senator that I've talked to, or not talked to, but every senator that I li- that I've listened to, every congressman that I've that I've listened to are saying that like that, that it's not a thing. There's no way that they can get around this. They are going to have to forego their taxes and status and it's going to, they're going to be a for-profit company. Um, if they, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a congressman and I'm not a senator, um, but I can trust the, <laughs> the opinions of those who hold those offices. And, you know, they are, they're saying that, that there's hard, I don't, they can't see any, any way around it. Um, which is, it is what it is. I mean, you know, you look at the other major uh, sporting uh, organizations in our country, you know, the you know, NFL and the NBA and MLB, and they all have, have don't have that, that tax exempt status either. They're all for-profit companies. So uh, I think if, if we, if we move to that team status and we have owners and we have players union, and then we have an owner's association, um, it's going to be just like, one of the the three or four major networks, or or, or not networks, but three or four major, major sporting leagues um, yeah. in in our country. Um, but again, that now we've got the DOJ involved, and they're saying that there's a monopoly. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, again, this is kind of above and beyond. I think our expert level. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, yeah. we we like we talk golf. We love golf. But when we start getting into litigation and what's right, what's wrong. You got the department of justice involved department of justice. They don't, 
they don't come to you asking for your opinion on something. They, they, when, when they need something done, they knock on your door and they subpoena you. You're like, this is, this is happening. I don't care yeah. what you think or what you, what your opinion is of this situation. This is, this is a legal matter now. And they don't, they don't mess around when it comes to that. They're not going to get involved unless they feel like it's a detriment to the U S sure. Uh, uh, real, real so, fast, uh, breaking news here on the show. Jay Monahan has just suffered some sort of medical situation. Are you serious? It's coming through on the golf channel right now. I got notification. He is recuperating from a medical situation and someone else is taking over temporary control of the PGA tour um, of the day-to-day operations. This is live groundbreaking news here. So um, when you're listening to this, you've already heard, okay. heard about this, but we are hearing of this right now as of Tuesday night. Um, yeah, I, I, wow. I mean, my first instance is so uh, Ron Price and Tyler Dennis will assume his leadership responsibilities. I, I mean, hopefully he's OK. But if, if this is a ploy to get him out of the limelight to try to uh, some type of narrative to change the situation, that's that's kind of crazy uh, because he's under some very heavy scrutiny right now. Yeah, or I think he that, had some I, sort of heart attack or. Uh, oh yeah, yeah that could be attacked or so much pressure with everything going on because he there's there's some people that are not people, uh, lots of people that are not happy with this decision. Yeah. Um. So we wish we don't know other than that. Um. I don't hope. I hope he's okay. I hope it's okay. Hopefully nothing is is too serious. But uh, as we're talking, he has been um, having a ton of stress. So uh, interesting breaking news here. Um, that that's come about, but yeah, going, going back to your, your couple of your points is, I don't know if how this gets by the DOJ, it also has to get by the EU, the the European union. They have to approve this too, because it involves the DP world tour. There's a Senate investigation. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the DOJ here in the United States has shut down other mergers. It shut down multiple airline mergers and that's not dealing with a, another sovereign government um in Saudi Arabia, right? That's American allies and in JetBlue. That's so talking about foreign countries trying to implement, you know, and start businesses in the US. And if they don't feel like it's going to be a benefit to the US, then they will say, no, sorry, yeah. you can't do this. Um, you know, and obviously if you're a small player and you your your footprint in the the US economy is very small, then you can get away with it. But if if it's something like a major sporting I mean, uh, let's be honest. I mean, you know, it's it is what it is. It shouldn't be, but s- sports in the U.S. is is huge, big business. And, and you're talking one of the top five, four or five top sporting leagues in the world, um, and one of which involves the top sporting league in the U.S. in terms of golf. That's going to open some open some eyes. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, they're definitely going to put their they're two cents into this and, and see where, where it comes. But um, yeah. Where's Tim Fincham right now? Do we need to call <laughs> him up? I mean, that guy could figure it out. I'm just oh, saying. I'm, I'm sure he could. Um, I mean, that guy, he's, I mean, he's a lawyer, obviously. Yep. U of our grad, University of Richmond here in Virginia. His yep. wife yep. is a JMU Duke. I mean, we've got oh, there two. You go to just that's a power couple right there um both very smart people but tim fincham like this 
this would not happen. This would not happen with him. He would yeah. make sure it didn't happen. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, we can't go backwards. I know we no. can't go backwards. Tim Fincham's retired. He did his. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have what happened. I just feel like it. I, I, I feel uh, this is my take on Jay Monahan. I feel like he is a little irrational at times. Um, and I think he he gets a little too competitive, and I'm one to I can um, I side with him because I know the how the blood boils in your system, and you just get he just he just hates live. He just hated him so much because it was affecting what he was doing. So that's where all the, the all those crazy comments came, and now it got to he kind of backed him against the corner. He's like, I got nowhere else to go. If you can't can't beat him, join him. You know, kind of kind of thing. And yeah, I think he, I, I think he was a little short-sighted to begin with. He's like, oh, no one's going to touch us. It's not going to matter. Yeah, I think, and he, I, I he, think got, he walked into a great product. And I think it was, it was due to the people that came before him, Tim Fincham. And you had, um, God, I'm blanking on the previous commissioner before. Dean Beeman. Um, and I think Tiger Woods obviously made Tim Fincham's job really easy. Yeah. You know, um, but Tim Pinchon was a very smart guy and and he knew how to avoid any major conflict and he well, did yeah. a re- really good job with with that. And I I think some of the and that's not completely fair with Jay Monahan. I think there were some things that were outside of his control, but like you said, you know, coming into a really great product, you think, "Hey, we're doing great. Nothing's going to uh, nothing's going to affect us." And then you walk into a shit Well, I think I think he took some, you know, he, he he got a little too emotional, a little too personal. I think he took some mm-hmm. of the attacks from Phil and some of that stuff personal. I don't think Fincham would have taken it personal. I think he would have had the bigger picture in mind. And I don't think Fincham would have ever responded. Probably. Yeah, you're probably right. I think he Fincham would have his time. Said, hey, you, you do your own thing, Phil. I'm the commissioner of a, of a, of a professional golf tour. Um, I'm going to run a professional golf tour. I don't need to engage with you um with your you know lewd comments i can just yeah. let that go he he was he was a, he was a professional he was a professional you know i then, mean i would argue i would argue that he would he was the best commissioner of the pj tour uh with how he implemented the the all, all of the the tax breaks for the guys all of the um the pension you know, the, the pension plans it's it's the most lucrative pension plan of amongst all professional sports Yep. It's not even close. It's not even close. What what he set up Which for these that, guys that could actually be affected now too. That could be changed too. So you're talking about these guys who maybe stopped playing ten years ago and were you know did their part. You know, play a hundred uh, fifty events, a hundred events, hundred fifty events. You know, x amount of cuts. Like all they have different levels of this pension. And once these guys meet this meet the stage, some of these guys just stop playing. I mean, I think about a like a guy like Garrett Willis. Um, you know, Brendan Young, you know, Johnson Wagner, who's on the golf channel, you know, Johnson had three wins on the PJ tour. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he's got fast champion status, but a lot of these guys meet these, uh, meet this criteria to, to, for this pension. And they're like, Hey, you know what? I'm 40. I'm in my forties. I don't need to play anymore. You know, I know I've got this income coming in. Let me do something else. But yeah. You know, if we've got the the PIF involved with this, like, how does that change for these guys? I don't know. I mean, that's just I don't know what what Tim Fincham did to lock this stuff in, but um, that could change moving forward. I'd be curious to see what he what Fincham would have done without Tiger. But like I, you said I, earlier, I, I it totally made, agree. Made it way easier. I totally agree. He had, and, you he, know, had he had everyone by the balls. Every TV executive, every ad person yeah. by the balls with Tiger. Well, so 
what would what would Brady have done without Bill Belichick? I you know who knows. True, but true. It's a it's a, I'm not there's going certainly down that rabbit a, hole. Yeah, but but you know, no, I I get out. That that's a fun that's a fun conversation there. But um, <laughs> what would Jordan have done without Scottie Pippen? And I'm a Jordan guy, you know. So, uh, you know that it's it's it, these are all the, uh, you know those sports are all team sports. And and Tim Fincham, essentially, it's a team sport. Like he is, we're the execs. We run the tour, but we can't run a tour yeah. without the players. You got to have good players and a good good executives to run a good operation. Um, it takes both of them to work and they meshed it really well, you know, for the 20 plus years. So here's a question for you. What happens with Liv? Sorry, that 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 that's my biggest question as well. Like, okay, we haven't heard anything. I mean, again, this is 1030 on Tuesday, the June 13th. We still don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to? Is the tour going to evaporate? Are they going to expand the tour? Are they going to con- continue to compete and do be like off events for the elevated events for the PJ tour or in the DP tour? Like, are we still going to have three tours? Are we going to have one PJ tour? That's a global tour. And then an elevated PJ tour, global tour. I mean, there's so many crazy options. Like I, I haven't, I have no idea. Um, it's, I, I think, I think that's where the I think that's where the DOJ is coming into play and and thinking like hey you're you're trying to kind of well, okay let's let's hypothetical here let's just say this merger yeah. goes through DOJ says you're fine do what you want mm-hmm. do you think live exists in a year two years I would say no like why why do we need that well okay so that's the question because it depends on who you talk to or not like I've talked to any of these people but depends on what you read right it sounds like you listen to Jimmy Dunn's interviews he's done um i think he did one with espn one with sports illustrated here this past week he's making it sound like jay monahan is the boss of live now because he's the ceo of this new entity which live falls under the umbrella and that all these entities are going to get evaluated and assessed at the end of the year to their viability and possible possible if they look at the PL of Live Golf as a businessman, I can't imagine they would say, Yeah, we got to continue this. A lot of red there. You know, um, Yasir in that interview with Monahan on CNBC, he was asked about Greg Norman, had a chance to kind of give his support and didn't really. Somebody read the transcript and it was pretty poor when it was read. Sure. And I mean, Norman got a call five minutes before they announced this thing that this was happening. Norman had no idea. No one at Live had any idea. Now, then that Norman has come out and said, oh, no, we're still planning to play 2024, 2025. They had some sort of conference call with all the Live executives. Uh, Yasir was on it. Um, I keep forgetting how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Rumiyan, something like that. Yes, this is as good as mine. And so, you know, it's again one of those things. who Who do you believe? If you listen to Jimmy Dunn, it sounds like Live's going to be done. And then Greg Norman saying, it's, oh, no, no, we're good. We're just still going as is. But I would have to think it's going to be done to, to some extent. I know there was a, a, a something out there that they said they're going to still try to continue the team format. But even if Liv model somewhat still continues, it's going to have to be blown up because are they really going to keep Cameron Tringali on a team over... Roy McElroy or Xander Shoffley or you know what I mean? So like 
that whole thing is going to be blown up and it's not going to exist remotely close to what we see now. There's no, there's nothing tying the audience to the live tour. Again, there are some cool concepts and some cool ideas. I, I do think that the team concept, like a world golf tour concept, and if you make it more of a, and we've talked, we talked about this, you know, in the last year and a half, two years, if you can make this team concept work and you can get a country or a area or a geographical area to support like a, a group, like a team, it's like every other sporting event. You know, it's like, oh, oh, that's my team. Like I'm from that area. I'm going to pull, I'm pulling for these guys, you know, or whatever it is. Um, but if they don't, if, if they can't, if they can't pull that side of it, there's nothing that live offers that's different than anything else. I mean, the shotgun star, everyone finishing at the same time. It's it, it, it I understand it could be kind of cool in certain situations, but the only way to make that work is to have limited players, which I think is not as cool. Yeah. Like finishing all at the same time. It, it, it is cool. It's different, but you only have 48 players. Whereas the other fields they had 100 you know 156 you know 144 okay we got more players it's like oh it's it's a bigger a bigger event like hey i beat i beat 100 if i'm a 144 man field i beat 143 players but you know live tour i beat 47 players and, and that's not as cool and that's why i think when the some of the first people that jumped out were like oh yeah and we have we have a good friend of ours who was like oh yeah mike's wrong i'm right like and thought live one and live bought the PGA tour, I think that's very overstated because while I don't think I, I do think the Saudis have the upper hand, I definitely think the PGA tour has the upper hand over live in this whole merger sure. thing. It's not live yeah. buying the PGA tour or live merging with the PGA tour. It's the Saudi public investment fund merging and being involved with the PGA tour. And so, you know, even here, some of the players and, you know, Bryson did a fucking awful interview on CNN that, um, surprise you know, there. Basically, when they asked him about Jamal Khashoggi, he said nobody's perfect. Probably the wrong answer to talk about a journalist that was killed and cut up into pieces. But he was like, "Yeah, well, they've they've seen what we've done." I don't, I don't think so. I don't think this happened <laughs> because Live was such this great, innovative, awesome thing that everybody wants to be a part of. Now it was just money, a, a disruptor to cause the PJ tour to make changes and to then ultimately, I mean, you know, I, I concede to the, the Saudi government and it, all it's, it's either, again, it's either a, a ploy for the Saudi government to, you know, uh, you know, create a stance, you know, a worldly stance amongst other countries or just from a financial standpoint, like, Hey, we are a big deal. We're involved, you know, that, that it's, it could be, Purely financial, like a, a a monetary goal here, or it could be a political, you know, ploy, mm -hmm. a political goal. Like, how do we get in? How do we disrupt? How do we gain some control over, you know, a major part of the of the U.S. Yeah. Um, again, I, I know that I know that's a little bit of a uh, I'm, I'm sounding like a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, but. No, but that's kind it's of an, it, it's an option. I mean, it's 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 either it's either financial, it's a monetary thing, or it's a political thing. I mean, really, at this point, there's there's nothing else that would say that they would do that. Like, yeah. I want to I want to be super successful. And the PIF, and when I say we, I say the PIF. We want to be successful. We want to make a bunch of money, and we want to have a footprint in the world. And this is our first step to get into. 
as I say, use the word infiltrate. Um, but and then maybe a little harsh, but I mean, and so I know you don't like this word, but that's kind of what sports washing is. Is it might not be they're they're trying to normalize business with the government to an extent, mm-hmm. and they're they're going to use golf as yep. as the vehicle to do it. So they can go, like I said, go to these other corporations and introduce themselves at a cocktail party at a PJ tour sure. event and say, Hey, why don't you do business with us? we got a lot of money we can offer you. Yep. And, um, there's some financial gain yeah. for, for, for the path. Uh, like I said, it's either, it's a, it's a financial move or it's a political move to, to gain some type of stature to get your foot in the door to, like I said, like we've said from the beginning to, to somehow disrupt. And, and again, I'm not gonna, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, CNN, Fox News, you know, we're not going to get into the political side of like why this is happening, but we can at least acknowledge that there's a possibility there's that possibility. they're doing this yeah. for political political purposes. And that's kind of kind of where we'll leave it. But um, yeah, I think it comes down to those two options. I don't know. I think Tom will tell what it is, what the what the the motivation is, you know, in the background, which it's hard for us to know until yeah. more details come out. But it's one of those two. Um, it's power and money. It's power and money. And that's, you know, that's that's why none of these guys, Jay Monahan, Jimmy Dunn, don't give me the grow the game bullshit. Yeah. Don't give me this is for the greater good. It it could be it could be better for professional golf down the road. I'm still I'm now as cynical as can be on this. I don't trust any of those motherfuckers anymore. Until I see what, till I see how this all plays out over the next one, two, five years, whatever it may be, what product we are offered. Is this just to pad everyone's wallet or is this to improve the golf product? Yeah. For the fans, for the viewers who spend money on this, who we invest our time doing, watching golf every week, we'd make picks and bets and we study and we do a podcast. Like, or are we just going to try to, we're just trying to like, be greedy motherfuckers and just line everyone's pockets. And um, I do think it's say what you want from a morality standpoint, as far as the Saudi Arabian government, and we can get into the whataboutisms of, of Uber and their human rights issues and gas. And we spend money with them and, and I get all that, but I do still think it's a little icky that the Saudi Arabian government is now a, a huge player in one of our major sports here in America. I do think that's a little, I'll use the word icky. Yeah, yeah, I I could see where you could say that. I mean, again, I think it's if we really dive into that, it's it's that's a a matter of a point of view and like how icky is it? Like when you look at how how they've uh, what how big of a a footprint do they have in in the U.S. economy? uh, Again, we're not. We're not, we're not, uh, Correct. we're not politicians. We're not economists. So I'm not going to say how much that is. I'll just say that to compare the two, it, there's definitely, they're, they're definitely prevalent. Like, sure. They I do would have also, a I would, big I would economic footprint on us. So that, that's already there. Like this isn't going to, them joining with the PGA tour is not going to it, it not change their footprint uh, in the U S from an economic standpoint that much. But it it is another step in the direction opposite of what yeah, I think probably most people would want. Yeah. So, and I don't want to get down that whole rabbit hole, but sure, you know, I don't either. Uh, but we, we're, we're we're just here to acknowledge that it's it's definitely different, and it's it's not what we expected. Um, 
but I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame anyone, anyone, uh, one side of this. I think it's, I think the, the pith had an agenda, um, from the beginning to, to do this for economic purposes, for political purposes, which they've accomplished both. And I think the BJ tour, uh, their main goal was a survival mode and it was a, it was a financial financial move. And I think they kind of their backs were against the wall. Yeah, and and, 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 and Jay Monahan did a good job of acting like it wasn't a big deal. Um, but his actions spoke otherwise. You know, we changed. We acted like, oh, there was so much money. Uh, we don't need to accommodate for, you know, the lives purses. We can do what we do. We're, we're on top of the world. And then a year later, hey, we've got 17, 16, 17, 18 elevated events. We're going to elevate them to this, this, this amount. The purses are jumping to this. Um, it's like, okay, well, why did you do that? Yeah, you, you but I also don't because think. Because there was, there was competition there to say otherwise. But I also don't think they have that money. And I think he hasn't no, said they this. Don't. I haven't, they don't I haven't have that money. It hasn't been reported. Monahan hasn't said this, but I have a feeling they're probably getting a ton of pushback from their sponsors when they're going to AT&T or whoever and saying, hey, instead of uh, we need you to bump up your contribution from 10 million to 20 million for this elevated purse. And they're like, well, why? What am I getting out of it? And so that's why they were dipping in the coffers so much for this year. And they probably looked at it and said, well, our corporate sponsors, they're they're okay putting up 10, out. but they don't want to put up 20 and we can't keep digging in to our own reserves here. Yeah. We're going to run out, especially with the three, four-year, five-year trial ahead of us. You know, you don't think that all these major companies like AT&T and, you know, KPMG and you, you go down the list and you name all these, these, these high-end com- uh, companies, you don't think that they have... Uh, marketing directors and financial advisors within their company to say, hey, this is your budget for uh, marketing. If you spend over this, you are not going to see the return. Your max budget is, there's a reason they put a budget on it. They know they're like, hey, you're not going to, we're not going to get the customers um, from the clientele that you're trying to, you know, you know, express your business to. We're not going to see the return uh, over, over, 10 million or over 12.5 million. Like if you go to 20 million, we're losing money. Like we're not going to get that business back from that extra seven and a half million. We're not. So they just say, yeah, you know what? It's not in, it's not in the budget for us. It's not worth it. And then you start seeing these big time players back out and like, wait a second, what do we do now? You know, we can't, now we can't, we can't, you know, hold the events that we want to hold for the purses that we want to hold. And then what happens? You know, players then the players then leave and go to live. So I think this was their their kind of final you know ploy to say, hey, we're gonna try to save this tour because we don't have the cash to support it. And the 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 live tour, we all said it. We've said it for you know uh, the last year or two. They've got so much more money. It's it's not even close. No, no, no one can compete. No one can compete. There's probably only a small handful of companies. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I honest. I really think that the PGA Tour and 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 in this sense is lucky that the the PIF even wanted to make a deal with them. I know that sounds crazy. Yeah, I think the, I think the PGA Tour had the the upper hand. I think that's why they made the deal with the PGA Tour. They had the upper hand right now. But if we if they let it go a year, two, three years, they were gonna they were gonna lose. 
Yeah, but then that's, that that gets into if it goes a year or two years now, Yasir and the rest of the guys are being deposed and emails Maybe. and their books are getting turned over. And so I think Possibly. they were at a point too, like, hey, we're getting close. We've lost all these legal battles. We're going to have to turn over all this stuff. We're going to have to do this now. And the PJ Tour has everything that we need to be successful. They just don't have the money that we have. And they, they found their niche and they just dove in. Um, I think they both they both had a problem that needed to be solved, and I, I don't know who's going to come out on the top, on top in the yeah, grand scheme. Yeah, I mean, that. you know, the whole winners and losers. I, was, I read an article the other day, like who are the winners and losers and all this, and I, it's way too early to tell who are the winners and losers sure. and all this. We, we need to see this thing through. But there's still so many details. Like, how are these guys? You know, they're talking about how are these guys going to get back on the tour? What kind of suspension are they going to face? What time of, type of fine? Then there's talking about like, oh, well, they're going to make some of these guys whole for their loyalty. You know, the the Xanders, the Roms, yeah. the the Rorys that turned down offers or could have made hundreds of millions of dollars. All great points. They're going to have to make whole in some form or fashion. How do the live contracts? Yeah. If live goes away, what what happens to those contracts these players signed? You know, they don't. They haven't got all their money up front. They got a portion of it up front. They're getting paid. Up. You know, how does that all play out? There might be legal battles there. Yeah, I mean, you, you you could imagine or you could predict there's some uh, there's some issues with some of these live players that sign these deals and now like, hey, wait a second, I signed a hundred million deal, a hundred million dollar deal for five years at you know whatever twenty million dollars a year, and now you're just gonna you know your, your tour is gonna dissipate and where's where's my money? You're just ending this contract. You're gonna pay this contract out. Contract is contract. Are you gonna go? Is Live Tour gonna go bankrupt and to to not have to pay out these contracts? Pay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, know, I think it could get very, very ugly and sticky with all this kind of stuff. And it's way I, over I, my way over my head to sure. understand all this. But yeah, but but you're right. No, I, I mean, we're, again, we're not lawyers. Uh, we're not politicians. We're not lawyers. We don't know the impact yet. But um, I do think you're right. I think I do think there's gonna be. A lot of litigation in the like in the next two to three four years uh, for certain players. I mean, if a player's playing well and he's doing things are great and he's winning, and that you're not going to hear from him. It's the player that should be doing great that's not doing great, and he's going to blame it on the fact that he had his everything set up. He signed a contract with Live, and now that's taken away. And now I was going from making twenty million. Now I don't make anything. Uh, I don't have a place on any tour. Um, you know, and I changed my, I, I moved my whole family to a different place. I set everything up because of this. And now, you know, that th I think that's what we're going to see. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was DeChambeau and Patrick Reed that were the ones that, <laughs> that did that first. Um, but, uh, and then on the contrary, you look at the other guys, like you said, you know, the guys who stayed, what are you going to do for me? You know, yeah. I didn't take the money. I stayed on, on the PJ Tour, and I'm sure the PJ Tour is going to have their their rebuttal and saying, "Hey, we elevated events for you. You're a PJ Tour member. We gave you more money, the more opportunity. Money. Yeah, yep, the pit money. So, hey, sorry, this is what we did for you. But I, there's no doubt that there's going to be a couple players that have some type of lawsuit that say, "Hey, you, I had an opportunity to make this much based on my interactions with." the live tour and I stayed because of this and now it's gone. So it's going to be, it, I think it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a lot of arguing, a lot of, 
litigation moving forward. I mean, honestly, I think Rory, if there was anybody that's going to be pissed, and I know we all said that Rory got a little, everyone's like, all right, Rory, just shut up. You're you're getting annoying. Now he's in a position where he's like, you know what? Screw all of you guys. You know, screw you, Liv, one. Screw you, PJ Tour, for for not supporting me and not telling me I was, I, I, I had lost. I mean, he could ar- arguably say, I know this is a stretch, you know, this is coming from a lawyer's point of view and I'm not a lawyer, but I'm just trying to think like one, he could arguably say like, Hey, I could have maybe possibly won one or two majors. If I didn't have to fucking deal with this bullshit, if I didn't yeah. have to be the face of the PGA tour, if I didn't, if I didn't have to uh, weigh the burden, weight the burden of the, the, being the face of the PJ tour and you guys now all of a sudden go and join with the live tour and don't tell me and tell me 20 minutes before. And now I got to get them to do a, a press conference. F you guys. Yeah. F I mean, you. he called himself the sacrificial lamb and that's kind of uh, exactly what he was. I mean, he was, he was, and I, I kind of, you know, as, as much as Rory, people can complain and say, Oh, he's, he's kind of a little bitch, but I mean, he's not, a, he's really hey, the guy pretty, believed in something. He took a stance and he fought for it. Like, and he fought for it. I mean, I, and he was very professional all the time. It wasn't like he, there was, he wasn't throwing around a bunch of slander on, on other than the fact that he just didn't like the live tour. Yeah. Um, he didn't really, he never really slammed anyone's character that went to the live tour. He just said, I don't agree with the players going. Yeah. So here he is supporting the PGA Tour, um, who the PGA Tour, uh, who knows how how to count this, but how much money did the PGA Tour make off of Rory McIlroy winning two FedEx Cups, X amount of PGA Tour events, never missing a cut, hardly ever, always being in the mix, not winning, uh, which one could say is more entertaining than winning. Mm-hmm. He he got so close to winning. Everyone expected him to win. He would be in the hunt on Sunday like he was last weekend and then lose. But what's the viewership like to watch Rory lose? It may be as good as Rory winning, which yeah. is shitty to even say that. But look how much look how much time and effort he put into backing them. And then there was well, and also I, he I, did just, more, I think it was just, just disrespectful. He did way more press than Monaghan did. He had to answer more questions about it than Monaghan did. I mean, when you when people were talking about this whole the whole thing in the last two years with Live Tour, uh, who was who was always on the the, the one answering questions? It's Rory, Jay Monahan wasn't sitting next to Rory in he these did like four you know, press conferences in the last Tuesday year. Wednesday conferences. You'd see him once every three or four you know months. You know, I, I don't know. I, I I've got more support. I got, uh, yeah, I've got more respect and more support for Rory uh, going through this because I think he got kind of bamboozled and, and, and not, and it wasn't fair. I don't think it was a fair, I don't think it was a fair shake, um, is, in my opinion. It is remarkable how much everyone was kept in the dark on this, that there was no leaks, that there was no, like, I can't believe it. It's unreal that this whole thing happened and no one fucking knew other than like four people. I can't. I really can't believe it because it's there's always someone who there's always has, someone that has. I mean, where's Adam Schefter and all this? I mean, don't you <laughs> don't you, don't you have the inside scoop with with well, all? And they said them? they even like they played golf with Yasir. Like, how does no one like see these guys on a golf course together and snap a yeah. picture or like? Yeah. Unless I should, yeah. the Saudis just paid to shut down the whole golf course for the day, which they could have, I guess. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, it, it, the whole thing is. It's wild. It's crazy. I still don't really believe it. 
I, I don't again, I'm still formulating my real opinion on it. Um I don't like the Saudis being involved. I don't know. However, I don't know what the PGA Tour's long-term future was. If they were going to run out of money, then what do you do? I, I don't I don't really want to see the team thing. I it could be cool if it's done right. I don't really trust any of them to do it right. Yeah, you're you're right. That that I, could that could happen. But if I if do you like the, the right if, if you get the right, I don't think Jay Monahan's the guy. I mean, I, this is going to sound crazy, and I'm not I'm not one to like cancel culture and like you know you need to resign uh, because of this. Like I think he I think he definitely made a mistake, um, and I don't think he handled it the right way. And I'm not saying he needs to resign, uh, but I do think there's someone better out there that will do a better job. If if that well, so if that's, that's fair. Like I'm not saying like, hey, you need to quit. I'm not saying you should resign. You know, hey, you didn't do anything bad enough to warrant resigning. But I think there could be a better person out there for the job. I just don't know how he gets fired at this standpoint because I was reading an article like for the players to actually do it, it's kind of hard. Like the way the the policies are written, yeah, and no. the fact that he now has the backing of allegedly has the backing of the Saudi government. He has the backing of the two biggest members of the policy board that with no, yeah, Perla and, and Jimmy Dunn. He, he might no, have he's not I don't think he's gonna get fired, nor should nor should I nor should he quit. I, I'm not saying that either one of those like I said, I don't I don't believe in this cancel culture thing. Like, but as a fan, I can say, hey, you suck. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, someone yeah. I, I that's the way I look at it. Like I'm I'm not saying Jay Monahan, like you need to resign. No, hey, dude, you you did what you thought was right, and I don't agree with it. Um, but you shouldn't you shouldn't quit because of it. Like, hey, like he can look out and be like, hey, screw you guys. I'm smarter than all you guys. Yeah. I think this is the best thing for me, and I'm going to do it. And that's fine. Good for you. You did it. But as a fan, I'm going to say, hey, I don't think you're very good at your job, and I wish someone else was there. That's kind of that's kind of sure. my stance on sure. it. Like, I mean, I'm not. I'm again. I'm not what saying you- like, hey. You, you need to quit and you need to resign. But I, I don't think that he personally, and I don't think that his agenda uh, and his, and his goals line up with the greater good of the PJ tour and the players. I think he's, I think it's when I see, when I see these commissioners that have this kind of very narrow focused view and they're, they're almost too competitive. And, and I, I know that feeling because I kind of, kind of relate to him. I feel like I would probably do the same thing. You're, you're in your own way a little bit. You're, you get so narrow focused into like, what is my agenda? I need to do this. I need to win. I need to win. I need to win. I need to do this. Those don't lead to the best commissioners. In my opinion, you've got to have a more, more of a broad focus. Like what is the best for the tour? It doesn't make me look good. I may look like a wuss or I may look like somebody who's incompetent, but in the grand scheme of things, everything's going to work. And maybe 10 years later, 20 years later, they're going to look back and say, you know what? That guy was good. I didn't realize that at the time, but that guy was good. You know, you look at Tim Fincham. When when did you ever see Tim Fincham, you know, you know, flex his testosterone over any other tour or any other organization? Never. He was it was very calculated. He was like, "Ah, you know, again, again, I know Tiger was in the mix and that made a difference, but. I think that he's, I think maybe he's a little too competitive, taking a little too personal. You mentioned that earlier and, and here we are. And now he's kind of stuck. Um, so I don't yeah. know. I don't know how this is going to unfold because it's, it's already happened. So it, the wheels are already in motion, but I, again, I, I like the guy. I like 
I like him. I think if we were hanging out, I have a beer with him, we'd have a good time. Um, <laughs> but as a, as a PJ Tour commissioner, and I just think that maybe he's not the right guy. Yeah, it's um, that's just my opinion. Man, this whole thing is weird. Now, there's it's probably weird. more more points that I, I I had in my head at some point today and over the last few days that I forgot to give out. Oh tonight, yeah, but I we'll, know I've, I had I had so many notes here that I wanted to go over and I didn't touch we'll, all of them. But I'm sure we'll hit on it good. again. There'll be more and more news. Yeah, it'll keep leaking unfolding, as, leaking as we as we go here and coming out, and um, we'll we'll obviously revisit this topic a whole bunch over the next uh, few weeks and months, and um, we'll 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 see how it all unfolds and uh, and breaks down. But we do have a major this week. It is a major week, so let's let's dive into the U.S. Open a little bit. I am pretty jacked for this one. Los Angeles Country Club looks awesome. It looks so good. It it's gonna be a. I think it's gonna be a very fun golf course. It sounds like listening to some of the players that uh, there's gonna be some birdies out there. Yep. There's gonna be some bogeys out there. I I don't think it's gonna be one of those boring, watching a bunch of pars all day kind of. I think it's going to be a lot of birdies and doubles. Yeah, you could be right. A lot of birdies I think, and doubles. I think we're going to, I think it's going to be without, you know, I probably shouldn't say this because a lot of people listen to this, uh, this spot are in the same golf pools, but uh, I think it's going to be like five. I think it's going to be like five to seven under. And it's going to be maybe three to seven under. But I think it's going to be a lot of doubles, a lot of birdies. Uh, you know, you're going to see, guys going out and making five birdies, you know, two doubles and three before bogeys. And they're like, man, I played good. And I shot, you know, a couple over. Yeah. I think we're going to get a lot of that. And the, I think we're going to see uh, one or two rounds where somebody just matches it up just right. And we're going to see like a, you know, a six under, you know, five, six under, and then they're going to follow it up with like a two over or one over. I mean, I think it's going to be very up and down, which is going to lead to some great golf. Not only that, but the leaders are teeing off, you know, at five, six o'clock every day, you know, Prime on Saturday, golf, Sunday. baby. Prime time golf, which is going to be awesome. Father's Day on Sunday. You know, my dad is coming over. My mom and my dad are coming over to the house. We're going to cook out. Boys are going to be here. Trey's going to be playing in his first golf tournament, which this could be a disaster because he hasn't practiced at all. And I'm going to caddy for him. So we'll see how that goes. But we're all going to be together. Father's Day on the U.S. Open golf, prime time. Like that's, Primo, like that's that's good. Yeah, LA, LA Country Club, which is just awesome. Yeah, and it looks it's a different golf course. If you haven't paid attention to any of the videos or watched any of the coverage yet, it's wide fairways, firm wider, and fast. much wider fairways than normal. How, however, they're saying the wide fairways don't play nearly as wide because of how undulating they are. A lot of them slope and, off and, and firm and fast. And so firm you think- and fast. And the bunkering looks awesome. It looks tough. They got this tall ass fescue around it that is going to bury balls. I saw Johnson Wagner throwing a couple in there and it was three feet off the green. But, you know, some of the rough right off the fairway doesn't look too bad in some spots. Then you get way off a fairway and it's a big tall heather. And yeah, I just think it's just interesting. There's some quirk to it. I love golf courses that are a little quirky. I think some past us open venues can get a little boring where they all look the same tight ass fairways long yeah, rough. yeah um, i like this it's unique it's different it's unique it's different uh it, i 
yeah, I'll kind of get into what I think the player will be who wins and the style of player when we do our picks here. But I think it's going to be open to a lot of guys. Oh, yeah. I don't think it favors one style of player because it's going to be firm and fast. It's 7,400 yards, par 70. They get five par threes, three par fives, two of the par threes are 280 plus. <laughs> and yeah. then and then one Crazy. of them is also going to play under 100 yards uh, as yeah. well. You're right. But the but the, the fairways being so firm and fast, a little wider. Now, you know, again, 7,400 yards, firm and fast playing 71, 7,200 yards, which is a you know, relatively short golf course on PJ tour being that firm and fast. So where some guys, and again, you've got the, you said five bar threes, you know, we've got some guys that could hit their, you know, Rory even said it earlier today. He's like, some of these holes I'm hitting five with 300 yards. Yeah. I mean, okay. Now you're letting Rory hit five with 300 yards, but you're all hitting to the same spot. And if you've got like somebody like a Zach Johnson, again, I, I always use him as a straight driver because I don't know. This is what I'm used to. The short and straight thing, guy. But short, straight guy. Um, and I know he's not obviously playing all that well, but a guy like a Zach Johnson is like, hey, I'm, I'm going to drive it straight. I'm going to hit, you know, 68, 69, 70% of my fairways. Uh, and I'm going to hit it 280, 290 in the fairway. And and I'm Rory McIlroy. I can hit it 330. But, hey, the fairway runs out or it cuts out. There's a creek. There's a bunker. I've got to hit five wood. And I got to hit it 280, 290, 300. What difference does it make? You know, you guys are all hitting the same spot. Um, so, I, you know, like you said, it brings a lot of other guys in play, um, which – it should be pretty unique. I mean, I, I, there's a good stat that I saw. Um, the winners of the past U.S. Opens, um, they typically have uh, strokes gained approach. They're 41% um, above. They, they gain they gain 41% above the, the field. That's typically the winner. Um, that's, that's, that's a pretty big number. You know, and then the next the next number was the strokes gain on the green. So it's approach and strokes gain on the green. Strokes gain off the tee is not as is not as prevalent as it is in in regular PGA Tour events, mainly because the rough is thicker and the fairways are more narrow, and it's harder to get the ball closer to the hole. They're not gaining a stroke on the field because they're not able to hit it close to the hole. Mm -hmm. But because these you know these fairways are a little wider, that could change things a little bit. But I don't know. It's just kind of cool to see. This is a pretty unique U.S. Open golf course. Like you said, it's not your typical tree line uh, fairway, you know, 17 to 22 yard wide fairways. And it's like, oh, okay, it's 440 yard par four. You better hit straight or you're chipping out sideways and you're trying to get them down for four. Yeah. And I, I've, again, we've, we've kind of talked a little architecture on here over the last couple of years about certain golf courses. And this is more of the golf course that I prefer wider fairways, firm and fast, make, make the player you know, because the greens are hard to hit and undulating, make the player pick a line off the tee and strategy. What kind of angle do they want to hit in versus the 20 yard wide fairway where there's no picking an angle. It's just, I have to hit this yeah. thing fucking straight. Right. I love that. I love that. So you, like you said, you put it's, they're still not like wide. The fairways aren't wide, you know, in a sense of like, there's some, like, it's not like you're playing at Kapalua where you got sure. 50, 60, 70 yard wide fairways. So there, I mean, there's still some names narrow parts and then you throw the firmness in now the fairways get more narrow anytime you mm -hmm. firm up the fairways the fairways get more narrow and if you have just enough uh, uh, thick rough there's the there's the uh the challenge there okay i'm i need do i hit driver 
when I know that I could miss the fairway. And if I do get in the fairway, even from 130 yards, I don't really have a whole lot of control of the ball all over the ball. Do I hit a, you know, a, a driving iron where I have a little, I'm a little further back, but I got like a 80% chance to hit the fairway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that now you really open it up. Whereas, you know, if the fairway is 17 yards wide, you're like, I can miss a fairway with a, with a two iron or a hybrid from with a 17 year wide fairway. So the guys are like, I'm just going to blast gonna driver, driver as far as I yeah. can and then take my chances. But now this, I, I, you're, you're hundred percent right. I would love to see more, more, not only opens PJ championships, but more PJ tour events where they have these firm longer golf courses. Cause that's the way it is long golf courses, but firmer fairways, wider, wider fairways, firm fairways, thicker rough. So if you've got a 35, 35 yard wide fairway, if you can hit the fairway, great. You've got an opportunity to hit it close to the hole. Um, but if you want to hit that driver and you miss the fairway, you may not be able to get it close. You may have to pitch out sideways. And if you throw some firm greens with a lot of undulation, um, now you you know yeah. throw even more of a wrench in it. So there again, back to the not not to get on the the ball rollback kick, but I think there's a lot of ways around the ball rollback um, to still make it competitive and not have to lengthen golf courses. I'm 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 a firm believer in that because I've played too many really, really hard golf courses that are not long that you can do it. And I, again, I know the the one caveat to that is the PJ Torres says we can't get people around some of these golf courses, um, but figure it out. In my opinion. I'm, I, I'm not jumping down that rabbit hole either tonight. That was, that was a deep hole. That was deep. Not going. I said, I set a nice trap out. I had some real small little twigs and some leaves over yeah, top. I want to respond, big, but I'm just not going to, I want to respond. Big but, hole. And then you took one step on it. You felt, felt it cracking. And you I've already got, I already got yelled at by my wife. You will not hear the listeners will not hear this, but my wife interrupted us on the podcast earlier because <laughs> I was being too loud and my daughter's room is above us. And I woke her up. <laughs> so I'm definitely not getting in a rollback discussion right now, or I might get no. divorced or my daughter will hate me. So <laughs> there, but yeah, uh, so I win. So I win. No, we're tabling that. You don't win. Just like the live guys don't win. They don't win. They don't win. So, don't win. all right, let's, let's get to our, let's get to our picks. I do think the golf tournament's going to be awesome. Uh, I love my two favorite golf is, Coffee golf with the British Open, and yeah. then primetime golf. Right, those it's two are the, the middle of the day. Golf is just hard. Sometimes you get a lot of shit going on, or work, or whatever it may be. But the early morning, the late at night is awesome. I, 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 and that's again, it's like the PGA Championship. It's just, it just there's nothing that that adds to that. Like you've got, we play a lot of U.S. Opens on the West Coast. You have that primetime golf. We have you know, British open golf early in the morning. Then we have the mat. You're going to watch the masters a Sunday at the, at the masters regardless. So like PGA championship, what are you guys doing? What can you do to separate yourself? And they just can't seem to figure it out. But anyway, I agree hundred percent. I can't wait to watch, you know, Saturday and Sunday night, you know, primetime golf U S open. I mean, that makes me think of the Torrey Pines when Tiger won in 2008, like, I feel like everybody was tuning in. I don't know what the, I don't know what the stats were for that. The viewership for oh, that the ratings event. had to know be they, crazy. That I night. know they were insane. Um, this time of year is like a perfect time in the year. There's you know no basketball. 
there's no, I guess there's middle, middle of the season baseball, which okay, that's fine, but that's not really competing against uh, the U S open at prime time. No. So. Uh, Jay, um, you won, you won last week. I won. Yeah. Uh, I, I McClain- said he would win and he should have, but he lost in playoffs. So McLean and I actually finished tied for second. Um, Still couldn't get a freaking couple points on him, but all right. You, you let can, him, you, you let him tie, you tied? Tied, exact tie. How rare is that? That is rare. I mean, this is to the, they do this to the, the 100th decibel, don't they? Or just to the 10th? The 10th, I think. Oh, geez. But still. So, all right. You won. You go first. All right. Um. Yeah, you know, I actually did a little bit of research on this. How about that? Look at <laughs> it's us. Tuesday, so I had an extra day, extra day to kind of do do some research. Um, I, I had a couple lineups set. There's there's a couple players that are not in here that I'm guessing that you're going to pick, uh, or McLean will pick because I feel like they'll be they will be popular picks. But I will kind of start at the bottom, like I've done in the past. Uh, it's seventy two hundred bucks. Denny McCarthy, the guy's playing good golf. Um. He finished 29th at, uh, at the PJ Championship in a major. Um, and I feel like the guy's just playing. He's starting to find his own. He's driving the ball a little better. He's hitting some better iron shots. So we know that he's the best putter on tour. So, uh, again, when you when you look at the stats, like I said earlier, uh, when, you, when you break down the strokes gained uh, uh, across the board, 41% is the approach. And 23% is on the green. And again, that's, and that those two stats are higher than they are for any other major. Uh, the strokes gain off the tee, you know, kind of dominates uh, most of those. So this is the one major where if you're, if you're a great iron player and you can control your ball and you're a great putter, you're going to do well. So again, I know he hasn't been the best ball striker. It's better, um, but he is the best putter. So and he's only seventy two hundred bucks, so I do think he makes the cut, and I think he's rolling, rolling on, and and riding high. I think he finishes in the top twenty five, which is great for seventy two hundred bucks. So um, then I jump up to a guy who's played really well in majors over the last seven or eight years. Um, he is one of the most likable guys on tour. Everyone pulls for him. Um, he's not a member of the PJ Tour. Um, Mr. Patrick Reed. Oh God. <laughs> did, you, did you just throw up a little bit in your mouth? Yeah, I'll just throw up a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> um yeah, I mean what's his I value? Just, he's seventy five hundred bucks. Okay. I mean, I, I I would argue that if if he were playing on the PJ tour, he would be in uh eight upper eight thousand to lower nine thousand range. Um, so I think this is I think this is a pretty big value. He finished fourth at the Masters. He, he finished 18th at the PGA Championship, and then obviously the rest were live golf events. Um, but I, I get, this guy thrives off of hate. Like I just feel like he is going to play well. I don't know how else explain it. Like he just loves hard golf courses. He does play hard golf courses well. I think he's actually a pretty damn good course fit for this place, as much as I hate to say it. Uh, he it's especially at that at that price. Um, so I don't need to go too in depth on Patrick Reed because I want Mike to be able to finish and uh, not get a 
dry skin out. Um, <laughs> then I moved up to 7,500, uh, Mr. Adam Scott. Again, another guy who's made 13 of 13 cuts this year, uh, playing some really, really, really solid golf. Uh, I would say the only caveat to this is as well as he's played of the three big events of 20 of 2023, uh, the PJ championship, the masters and the players championship, the big events, he has not played well, 29th, 31st, I'm sorry, 39th and 71st. Um, but he still did make the cut on all those. So again, it's 7,500 bucks. He's one of the better drivers on tour. He is, I mean, he's really good in all the categories. He's one of the better drivers on tour. He's a great iron player. And he's actually, his, his putting stats are, are pretty good. Even with the, the long, the long putter, a non anchoring long putter, I must say, (laughs) Um, which there's, there is a debate on that. Like if you watch the guy, like that thing is, I know that it's not anchored because they zoom out. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, is he, is he kind of holding the thumb up a little bit on the, on the chest to just kind of, I don't know. Gets that knuckle in there just a little bit. He, he's putted much better since he went to that. Even with, even when they got rid of anchoring, like even when he kept with it, he's still putting much better than he ever has. But anyway, 7,500 bucks. I think it's a pretty good pick. Uh, then I jump up to another guy who always plays well and always plays well in majors. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, eighty six hundred bucks. I know he's kind of fighting. He said he's got some type of little mild neck injury or something like that, but he's played well even with this. Sixteenth at the Memorial, 29th at the PGA Championship, twenty uh, third at the AT and T, and then sixteenth at the Masters. I mean, fifth at the uh, the players. I mean, he's, he's been playing some good golf. I don't know. Again, at that price, I mean, this guy could win. Like, <laughs> on in all honesty, I know he he always kind of flies under the radar because he's not he's not a, a U.S. player, and he he's got a pretty he's kind of on that elevated event uh, schedule too. He doesn't play like every week. I mean, he'll he'll take two or three weeks off and then play in the bigger events. Um, so, I mean, again, since the beginning of the year, he's only played what eight events. Nine events. Um, so maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, he's played 12 events. I'm sorry, but I mean, that's still that's we're six months almost six months in. He's only played 12 events. I mean, that's not yeah. a lot. So, yeah. um, anyway, he, he's this is a guy who shows up in the big, big events. So, uh, 8,600 bucks. Hopefully, that neck issue is not a big deal. Then I move up to the chalkiest pick of all. Chalky picks. Can you guess who it is? Max Homa. Max Homa. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's who it is. Ninety four hundred bucks. I picked Max Homa. Uh, I know that he's got a lot of pressure. Everyone's predicting him to play well. I mean, he knows it. He feels it. Everyone, like every sports backing, you know, gambling joint in the country, is picking Max Homa. Um, and they're like, oh, he loves this place. He's an LA guy. He's going to play well. Of course, record I holder. Think he, I think he's going to play well. <laughs> I do I think he's going to win? I, I don't think he's going to win, but I do think he finishes in the top 10. And which in the, at 9400 bucks, yeah, that's a great pick for DraftKings. I do think he plays well. I do think he finishes in the top 10. I don't think he wins the event. So, um, And last but not least, uh, I do think this guy will win. 
Um, I think Xander Shoffley is going to win his first major, 9,600 bucks. Wow. Okay. There you go. I don't need to go into any more detail. No. I, I really went pretty long with all that. So okay. that's weird that I would do that. Yeah. It's not like you. It's not like me. Not like you at all. Out of character. Uh, <laughs> all right. We got a couple of duplicates. So um, I start at the bottom, $7,200, Denny McCarthy. Yeah. For, well, for everything you said. There's just... He, his ball striking is much improved this year. He's playing well. He's confident, and he puts his ass off. Simple as that. I then will go up to, um, I got two guys at 7,500, Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler. Big dick Rick. Uh, great, great values. I love those values at $7,500. They're both playing great. They're both playing like top 10, top 15 players on tour right now. Uh, Wyndham has a win. You know, not the greatest um, putter, but great ball striker. Rick's game is pretty just all around solid right now. So I like those two guys at 7,500. Then I go up to 8,900. Mr. Uh, Tyrell Hatton just plays hard golf courses well. He's just a solid all around guy. Um, I just I just think he's going to play well. I just think he's got a top 15 in him, and he's just going to be kind of hanging around all weekend. My lineup for a long time. Uh, then I have, I'm going to skip my next guy. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'll go up to my top dollar guy, Mr. Xander Shoffley, $9,600. Um, Southern Cal guy. He's he's due to win. I'm not going to pick him to win now just because you just did. I'm going to pick some, my other guy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's Xander. I'm not sure what else you have to say. The guy just plays well in majors. He plays well, solid all-around game. I, I seems like he knows the golf course a little bit more than most of these guys. It's not a golf course. Many of them have played. A couple of them played the Pac-12 um, championship there in 2013, the Walker Cup 2017. But both of us. But can I just read out? Yeah, six U.S. Open, fourteenth uh, last year was his worst finish that he's ever had in the U.S. Open. <laughs> Seventh, fifth. Third, sixth, fifth. Think his game fits a U.S. Open. Uh, the guy, the guy's going to win. So it, it, I'm going to say it. Like I'm, I won't do this very often, but when I do, it, I'm usually, I'm usually right. So I'd put some cash on Xander. He's going to win. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I'm, I'm gonna, probably, I'm, I'm probably too scared to do it, but I'm confident like enough to tell you to do it. Um, I will probably put some money on Xander to win. Um, yeah. On this podcast, I won't predict him to win, but on my gambling, I will. I will pick him because <laughs> here's who I'm going to pick, and I. So I picked Max Homa, the beginning of the year. Yeah, because he loves the place. He was playing great. He has the course record. I just don't. He's his just not as sharp. Yeah, he is. So many people are talking about him and betting him. He doesn't have a great major record. Yeah, pretty poor major record. So I'm off the Max Homa train this week, which now means he'll win. Which now means he'll win because I'm off his. I'm off the train. And this guy, as of two weeks ago, I would not have picked on my team. Never mind to pick to win. He played great at the Memorial. I think his game is going to need a lot of creativity, a lot of interesting short game shots. I have a massive hunch. At ninety two hundred dollars, 
Jordan no Spieth. Jordan Spieth is your U.S. Open champion. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. As of two weeks ago, I never would have guessed that. But I think his wrist is fine. I think his creativity, hitting shots out of these funky fairways, there's a lot of undulating fairways. His creativity and his magic touch around the greens. I just got this weird punch. And I haven't picked him like at all this year. He does love the dr- dramatic. He he is a he does have a flair for the dramatic. So uh, it would not surprise me if he kind of got in the mix. And yeah, I just he's driving it really well for him. He's always been a great for, iron player for, for him. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, I mean you think of like the last time he won a U.S. Open, Chambers Bay, big wide fairways for the big most wide part. Fairways, firm and fast. Yep, kind of quirky. Like I just yep. think this is like a. When I saw him play fits, well fits at Memorial, his eye. and then I, I learned more about the golf course, I was like, man, this sounds like a Jordan Spieth golf course to me. Hmm. All right, so fine. I'll, I'll, put some, I'll put some shillings on on uh, Jordan Spieth. I love it. So we'll see. You know, it's... it's uh, is it... Can we, are we fair to say our, our two picks are, are Xander and Jordan Spieth? Those are our two picks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, outside of... John Rahman and, and Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean honestly, that's cre- those two picks aren't creative. They're not creative Scottie at all. But I, honestly, if, if you were to tell me who I thought not picking on DraftKings, who do I think is going to win? I, th- I think I think Scotty Scheffler is going to win. I think he's, and from what I've heard, he's going to he possibly could possibly put in a new putter, which is game over for anyone playing. The guy's the guy's the worst putter on tour the last two three weeks with his putter. If you give him a new putter, uh, you know what? What did Lee Trevino say? He said, you know, a new putter is blind; it can't see who's putt who's holding holding the other end. Um, so he said, you at least have a week uh, to putt well with a, <laughs> with a new putter. So I, I it would not surprise me if Scotty Scheffler put a new putter in just for the sheer hell of it just because he's putting so bad with the other one if he puts if he puts even if he's mediocre he wins by five if he's mediocre he wins by five yeah, if you do the math look at strokes right. game historically what he's done in the last in you know, three weeks you know two months year if he is the middle of the road putter he wins by five strokes yeah, I mean, it's hard not to pick Rom or Scheffler, especially Scheffler, just because of what you all just laid out. And if he does just make some sort of putter change and get something new in his hand, um, it's hard to pick those two guys in like some pools and DraftKings because their value yeah. is so high and that so kind of high, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, those two guys are going to be in the mix. I'll be shocked if they're not. As much as I like Rory or Jordan, not Rory. I mean, I do like Rory, but as much as I like uh, Xander, I'm sorry, and you like Jordan. Jordan has to play a has to play perfectly, sure, to win. Yep. And I, I would I would argue that Xander is in a similar boat mm-hmm. because he doesn't hit as far as 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 uh, you know Rom or Rory or um, or Scheffler. He's he's got to play like really really good golf, like the the best golf of his life to win. Um, and you look at what Scheffler's done the last you know three weeks and putted the worst in the field, uh, and still finished second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, and still had a chance to win if he just putted average. Well, you know, also, that, but like you said, though, 
that means he's still got to hit it that well. He does, and he could have he could easily have an off week. And if you if you're just a little off, and you putt poorly, you're out of here. You know you don't you, you know compete at all. You know that's what's scary about it. Um, but I will say, you know, like like we've seen over and over every week, you know, strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained approach. You've got more of an opportunity. You've got a bigger, you've got a wider gap to mess up in in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. If I hit my driver three thirty and I'm, at, you know, x amount of degrees off, I'm still in the fairway. I'm still just in the in the first cut. I'm just in the rough. Um, whereas a guy who's 30 yards behind you is the variance is not that much difference and not that, not that much different. And they they're in the rough from 30 yards back. You got no chance to get it close to the hole. Um, and the same thing and looking at strokes game putting, you know, you're the best putter in the world, uh, is only gaining what a quarter of a shot on the, somebody who's 150th in the, and uh, not on the world, but on the, on the PJ tour, a, a quarter or half a shot around, whereas, Strokes gain off the tee. Yeah, it's a little bit more than that, I think. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, but I mean, but the the variance between strokes gain off the tee versus putting, it's huge, huge difference. I can gain, you know, two, three, four, five, six shots off the tee, where you can only gain maybe a shot at best. You know, um, I'm I'm not saying in one event. I'm just saying over the course of uh, course of the the year, you look at the stats, you can gain three or four shots. Versus somebody on the on uh, and putting a uh, strokes game putting, you're only gaining a half a shot to a shot. So the margins are much bigger, much greater, and that's why we see the longest, straightest guys on tour. They're the top ten players in the world. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. Those those guys are probably will probably be in the mix. But again, like we mentioned, this is a little bit different setup, a little bit bigger, wider fairways. There's a ton of options too with with this course setup, which is kind of cool. Um, you you can. Um, you know, I don't, I, you, I, I've never played it. I've just seen it. I've just, I've, I went through the yardage book and looked at it, um, and looked at some of the, the layout. Like if you want to drive it, you know, depending on the pin placement, if you want to drive it further up in the fairway, but maybe away from the hole to get a better angle, you can do that and, and give yourself a better ap- approach to a certain pin, you know, vice versa. Hey, I want to lay back much further back because the approach angle is better. I'm going to have a better opportunity at the fairway. There's a lot of options with this golf course mm-hmm. that we don't normally see with a typical U.S. Open golf course. Like, say you go to a Wingfoot or Oakmont, mm-hmm. you've got it's pretty straight away. You've got 17 yard to 22 yard wide fairways. There's there's not a whole lot of dog legs. Like here, hit it straight, hit it long, hit yep. it in play, and then try to get on the correct side of the pin. And see what you can do. This go this golf course, it's a little bit different. You know, it's it's a little bit more placement off the tee. You know, hey, where's what's the best angle in? Uh, what's the widest part of the fairway? The widest part of the fairway may be, you know, 300 yards out, where the narrow more most narrow part may be um 150 yards out, but the best attack uh, best angle or attack angle to the pin is 150 out. So it's like, hey, I, I'm gonna hit my driver. And hit it to the widest part of the fairway, great. But I've got a really tough shot into the green. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I lay back in a narrow part of the fairway, that's what's really cool about the design of this golf course, which we don't normally see with US Open. I, I think it's I think it's really cool, ingenious. I think it's gonna be fun. Um, it's gonna be a, a different look at US Open golf than we normally see. Um, I'm I'm super excited about this one. I I, yeah. I wish I was good enough to qualify for it. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's gonna be this it's is gonna cool. be awesome. I can't wait. It's it's cool to see courses that you haven't seen. Yeah, you know, I ever mean, or in a long time. Ever. In a US, in a major championship. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I know the the US Open's kind of getting into a rota kind of feel with with Oakmont and Pinehurst and in um Pebble and I do hope they keep mixing in some other golf courses. I know LA Country Club's already got one on the books for like 2039, I think. So, uh, and they have like most of their uh, venues locked up for like the next, like it's like 15 of the next 20 years are already locked up, something like that. That's kind of crazy to me in, in, in a sense. Like, it's like, do we need to go that far in advance? I mean, what happens in the next five years if a new golf course pops up and they're like, this is a U.S. Open golf course? Yeah, or someone and does a renovation wait, and like... You're 20 years out. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, that's weird to me. But again, that's, a, that's probably a conversation for the I next I think for the pop. National Open, they should mix it up and go around more, but... Uh, I agree. Like I, I get having the cool staples. There's something about seeing the same golf course, but um, yeah, I, I, it's there's so many good golf courses that can host the U.S. Open. Like, let's not pigeonhole to just these. You know, 10, I think maybe 7, once they 10. once they uh, once they roll the ball back, though, we'll have uh, more options. So, yeah, um, God, I really right, hope on we that, don't see that. On that note. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna end the show there uh jaber that was fun good chat all of our listeners thank you very much for tuning in we appreciate it enjoy the u.s open and we'll be back next week cheers all right, all right. see you boys